Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to chase your joy, find alignment, and create a life and a business that you love using actionable methods, interviews, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host, your always hype woman and sometimes ass kicker, Amanda Chills, and I am so proud of you for choosing to step into your power. Come along, we've got dreams to build. Okay, hello, you. I am so excited that you are back listening to this episode because have I got someone who is so already her energy is so grounded. It's so earthy as like yogis tend to be. Um, And she is just killing it. So Coasty and I were part of the same business cohort. She was um, ahead of mine before I came in, but like the girl is crushing it. So we are with Sarah White, known as the coastal yogi who does retreats. She leads these really banging ass like yoga classes. She's doing free um, yoga classes on Instagram. Like she's just crushing. You are just crushing. So welcome, dude. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Now we are excited. Well, I don't know if they're excited yet, but I'm excited. So hopefully (laughs) they can like feel the excitement. Tell us about you. How did you even get into this? Like take, walk us through this journey that you went on. Yes. So I was a college athlete. It took me out to San Diego and I had never done yoga before. Didn't know much about it and eventually decided to get out of college athletics. But the one thing that I really credit college athletics for was we had a yoga one hour requirement every single week. And at first I used to dread it and then it started to grow on me a little bit. And so after leaving the team, I found yoga sculpt and I was like, hold on, this is it. It's legit. This is my jam. Um, I loved it. And that kind of just sparked this whole journey of how can I get more invested? How can I learn more and grow more from it? And did my training while I was in college to become an instructor. And that was back in 2016. And it's just grown and grown from that. Yeah. So when you were first a baby yogi, um, kind of like baby Yoda, but <laughs> baby Yoda is so cute. So when you were a baby yogi, like, so you got introduced to yoga sculpt. Can you explain what that is for people yeah. that don't know? So yoga sculpt is a blend of yoga, strength training and cardio. So I like to call it both a work out and a work in. So you have this mental component that you typically wouldn't get in a workout as heavily as you do in yoga. What is the work in like? I like to align each of my classes with some form of a mantra, and it usually invites you to think about some component of your life off of your mat, but we get to work on it on your mat. Mm -hmm. So say, you know, you're working through um, your gratitude practice of sorts, like maybe it's about being really grateful for your body that day or what your body's able to accomplish for you. And Hopefully from that space of gratitude, that's able to trickle out into your life off of your mat as well. Mm, I love that. So I find that a lot of people who get into yoga do so for a workout, really not realizing. And I think this is something that a lot of yoga instructors, some are very into the spiritual side of yoga and some really don't market it at all, but it is such a blend of both. So I love that you blend it. So can you talk to us a little bit about like yoga's roots and how it's 
typically like if, you know, if gyms are marketing, it's typically like come work out and do yoga, but it really has a spiritual component to it. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that? In the yoga sutras, which is like one of our most like foundational texts of yoga, there's this one sutra that translated means yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. And Mm. what's really cool is that like it in that you don't hear anything about like, you know, there has to be movement or there doesn't have to be movement or anything. And so I do find that there are so many ways that that can be interpreted and really at its roots, like yoga started as more of like a meditation type of practice and like breath awareness. And so it's cool that we get to move our bodies in something like a yoga sculpt or in something like a power yoga practice. But the most important component of that class ends up being the end of the class when we get to that Shavasana state, because the goal is that you've been able to work and almost tire out your body Mm. so that now we can access the deeper parts of you and give you that connection point and allow you to come back to that connection space that lives within you. I love what you just said. So I find through my work, both coaching and therapy, that so many people are just absolutely disconnected from their bodies. And I think if we take a macro view, it has a lot to do with like living in capitalism, where your body is what you sell to exist in this world. And if you're a woman, like the pressure to look a certain way and to be a certain weight or to, you know, have a certain aesthetic. And then it's compounded if you're a person of color, if you're a person with a physical disability or any of those things. Um, and it just creates this huge, huge disconnect in their body. So is that something that you're finding as well? Like a lot of people really don't have good body awareness and then they develop it through yoga. Yeah, I think it does allow you to access, like, I find that your time on your mat is almost like getting to know yourself better, right? It's like your connection point. And the more you come to your mat, my hope is that like, you don't need me to tell you what you need on your mat. You know, like my goal is that I'm, I'm hopefully helping you to listen to your intuition a little bit Mm -hmm. more. And so maybe, you know, I might be cueing a warrior too, but if you're noticing something funky in your knee, you're Mm -hmm. not just pushing through it because I told you to, right? You're finding ways to make these shapes work in your body versus trying to have this like picture perfect idealized mm-hmm. shape that maybe you see on Instagram. Yeah. Posts. So that's truly yeah. my goal with all of that is to, is to help you like step into your perfect body the way it is. Which is so much more empowering than having to be perfect, which is another behavior that disconnects us from our body because it doesn't honor who we are and how we fit. Like there are people who can do a quote unquote, like textbook yoga pose. And there are people that can't because of limitations or they can work really, really hard at it and still never get there. So I love that empowering stance. Um, How did you get into doing retreats? Like that's something that you do. How, what was that like? Yeah, I'm really lucky to have my mentor. Her name's Katie B. She lives in San Diego. So she led my first yoga sculpt training when I was in college. And I, at the time, she had been running retreats probably for a couple of years. And I was a senior in college, kind of was feeling lost in the whole job process. And I saw she was doing this like one night retreat, super low entry to bar- or barrier to entry. Um, it was like local. It was in Temecula or something. And I went by myself. I didn't know a single person there. Awesome. I was like the youngest by probably like 15 years. And I, I just like dove in and it was 
the most eye-opening experience mm -hmm. and I from there was like okay how do I do more and so kept being an attendant on, on an attendee on all of them and then I finally she invited me to start assisting and enrolling and I've been able to kind of shadow different companies and different people in the retreat process and really got to bring my own community and my own flair to Love all of the retreats I've done. Why are they so impactful? Because a lot of people, yeah. one, I think don't know what retreats are. So can you explain what retreats are and how yeah. are they different from just like a vacation? Yeah. Retreats, I find truly allow you to surrender to the process. We have this like saying that you, when you go on a retreat, you want to expect nothing and receive everything. Yeah. So meaning like we align the agenda for you so you can let go of the control of like having to plan all the things mm. and <laughs> which is hard. I bet that's hard for some people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then we have like different activities, right? So every retreat is going to be different. Some are going to be more health wellness focused. Some are going to be more like a balance of that and community creation. And so on ours, we typically have some type of movement component in the morning, um, some type of workshop component where we get to move through some type of personal exercise, but maybe then you're doing some group sharing and getting to hear different perspectives. And then there's usually based on the location we're in some type of fun local activity, a way for us to emerge into the culture. And that's, that's pretty much it. Everything is like laid out for you, which I love so much. Where is the favorite place you've like hands down your favorite place to do it? Where is it? Oh my goodness. That's a hard one. I really do love one we do in Sardinia. So it's an island um, mm -hmm. off of Italy. And I think it's my favorite location because of the hosts. Um, it's mm -hmm. actually one of my friend Katie's college friends. Family has owned this villa for like decades and it's gone wow. through generations and it just has such a homey feel to it. Um, it's it's like this little enchanted paradise that you can't even tell from the water how beautiful it is until you're like on the property. Wow. So I feel like it has these like really magical vibes to it in general. And then the work we get to do on top of that um, just makes it really special. Mm. That's beautiful. What are some of the transformations that you've seen people go through? Yeah. On these trips, what I find makes it so impactful is that Yes, you can go to a workshop in a town you live in, right? But you still have those residual worries of like, you know, you're in the same space as maybe where work is or where mm -hmm. you have family obligations. And when you take yourself completely out of that scenario, I find that you give yourself this new realm to open up into. Mm -hmm. And one of the favorite exercises that we do is um, sometimes we'll have people write out um, 10 defining moments in their life. It could be good, bad. Mm -hmm and do some like actual um, journaling on one of them and then sharing. And it's so interesting to find out like who people are on a deeper level than just mm -hmm. asking like what your job is. And, yeah. and the way that someone might say something that's happened in their life that's significant and the person next to them had no clue and they shared the same exact experience or a similar experience. Wow. And so I find that it teaches people to be a little bit more human and to just meet themselves where they're at and take off this mask of, mm -hmm. you know, 
who I am is my job and, you know, my social status and all these things and yeah. come back to the root of what connects us all. And that's what retreats, what I love so much about them is it brings back that human element. Oh my God, goals. I think it's such a fascinating thing. I talk to a lot of people in the wellness space, obviously wellness podcast. Yes. Um, and the thread that connects people from genuinely connects people who genuinely give a shit about other humans is the longing and the prioritization of authenticity. And you don't get that with like grifters. You don't get that with like cult leaders, right? Um, Because they don't care who you are and they don't want to connect you. They want you connected to them, like not them connected to each other. And I think putting that in such a way that you just explained, like we forget what it is to be human and to just connect with each other. And it's something that like in my spare time, I um, will study sometimes like the role of capitalism and creating a nuclear family and how that disconnects us from each other, which then feeds capitalism, which makes people buy more and we're sad and we're depressed and you're easier to control and you're easier to buy stuff because you're looking for that, you know, quick hit that you don't get from people. And when we take a mask off, when you're just like, Hey, here's the ugly parts of me and you might turn away, but what if you don't, um, is so fucking powerful. I love that. Um, and I think it would be like, as, as the person who's leading that exercise there, I imagine are some surprises in what people find significant. Um, cause you know, everyone can say like, well, like a wedding day or a divorce day or your kid being mm-hmm. born or God forbid something happened to one of your parents or your children. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's some that we can pick out, but there's some that you're probably like, what? Yeah. Wow. It's, it's really interesting to see what comes out of it. And on, it depends how long the retreat is, but sometimes we do that exercise, like multiple days and so yeah. it's like, okay you did day one now pick a new story to write yeah and it'd be interesting to see like sometimes the first day people like they go there right like, yeah they go all yeah. in and some maybe like didn't go as all in and like one toe read the <laughs> room like, and then this water's cold yeah and then the next day those are usually the people who then like go there they're like okay mm-hmm. i feel supported i feel safe in this space yeah. i'm gonna going to dive in and it can happen like that's more of like a verbal one right where you get to open up there's other ones where we'll do um eye staring that you're supposed to just like keep eye contact and this one person's basically just the wall and is asking who are you over and over again and the other person is coming up with responses and like even just like that component of just having to look at someone that would be so uncomfortable (laughs) Yeah, it's so uncomfortable because we like we just I'm, I'm uncomfortable. It's not even happening to me. <laughs> it's the funniest That's thing. Crazy. Like, you break not the in the goal again. Like it's not to break you down necessarily. It's more to break down like those superficial layers, mm-hmm. and then how can we then build you back up from within you and from that yeah. space? And before you, you know, you go back out into the world after after this retreat experience, like how do you integrate that back in? And and that's where the true power lies in these experiences. Do you find that people will go on multiple retreats with you? Definitely. Awesome. Like the return rate is very strong and, you know, maybe it's like a timing thing where the next one isn't the one they go on. But um, from my Greece trip and from Croatia, I have people on both of my next two retreats from yeah. those retreats going. And it's so oh. cool. It's like a reunion and then yeah. like and it's great. 
And you get to see the growth too, which is really cool because as a, as a yoga instructor, like, yeah, you get into the heart of people, but it's so different from like the depth of what you can do with a retreat. So that must be really cool to see. Yeah. There's one girl too, who's coming from Greece. She's like one of my favorite examples. She didn't take a single like vacation day during the pandemic um, and was like working like pretty much around the clock. And then this coming year, she posted her upcoming travel and retreat schedule. And it's like six different trips, like doing all these things for herself. And like, that's the coolest transformation to see that, you know, you realize there can be a balance and you can take this time for you. And it's not selfish to, to really invest in yourself in those ways when you need it. Well, you know what? It is selfish and that's okay. Yeah. Like you're right. Yeah. People have such a freaking allergic reaction to the word selfish. And I'm just like, women, yeah. Women have such an allergic reaction. <laughs> yes. The word selfish. I'm like, well, I don't want to be selfish. And I look at them and I'm just like, then die. Like burn yourself <laughs> yeah. out until you want to kill yourself. Yeah. Because I promise you that's where you're heading. Yeah. It's and so it's true. crazy. Like be selfish. Be more yeah. selfish people. Yeah. You got to be your love own, like biggest cheerleader, biggest supporter, right. like all those things. Cause no one's going to do that for you. Right. And it's the same with work, right? Like mm-hmm. some people like, you know, are so afraid to leave a job because of how like work will feel and blah, right. blah, blah. And it's like, but if they needed to fire you like pandemic, great example. So right. many people had to be furloughed, fired, all these mm-hmm. things. It's like, would you have put so much priority in, on, onto them? Had you right. known what right. could happen? I had a client like, tell me a few months ago chronic people pleaser. Yep. (laughs) I was bad. Um, and they said, I was always such a good person. I thought good things would just happen to me. And I was like, I bet someone sold you that lie so that you didn't cause any trouble and you were never selfish and you never questioned their bullshit. You weren't a disruptor. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're quiet and you were good and you were And good is always synonymous with quiet when it comes to women. You're a good girl. You're quiet and you're pretty and you don't do anything. You never challenge me. You never take a day off. You're never selfish. And that broke my heart. And I was like, nothing good is going to happen to you because what you're doing is digging yourself a grave every single day with every decision that you make. And it is so heartbreaking. Yeah. And so retreats, yoga mat, doing, I mean, shoot, just even taking a yoga lot, a yoga class for some people is a huge step. Yeah. It's a huge step. It's even like just a little glimpse at kind of a retreat experience. If you think about it, like it's a mini transformation point of where yeah. you got to like fully invest in you for that, you know, half hour, hour, whatever it is that you're carving out the time for. Mm -hmm. And even just having someone tell you to breathe in your day, it's like, whoa, like, oh yeah, that's crazy. I can focus on that. And that's going to change my perspective. Even just five minutes of that changes your perspective. So it's cool to see how we can kind of integrate all these things and how it can really allow us to, to shift the way that we interact in the world and, and start Mm -hmm. taking some ownership of that. I think that's the biggest, what I see when I work with people, um, is that once they start taking radical accountability, not that everything is their fault. Like, you know, we live in an ecosystem and the ecosystem affects us and we all have different privileges and barriers and things like that. So nothing, nothing is completely all on us. Um, some things are completely all on us. Some things are not. Anyway, there's a balance. 
But what I find is once people start taking radical accountability for the shit that actually is on them, one, a bunch of stuff clears away that they were wanting cleared away for a really long time. And two, stuff just starts, stuff starts. I don't know why I cannot talk today. Um, Stuff starts showing up for them that they have been wanting forever. And I don't know if that's something that you have experienced or it's something that you see people experience when they start doing this work. Yeah. It's like the second you start shifting your focus to that and like becoming more accountable and like actually Mm -hmm. laying stuff out, it's not necessarily about writing out like every single step that's going to have to happen for you to get there. Right. Like you don't know, like things might happen in a way you never expected, Mm -hmm. but it's about like bringing the focus into that space so that it can start to expand. And then also trusting in leaving space for the the Mm -hmm. universe, whatever you want to call it, higher power to drop in those little miracles along the way. And that's like kind of the big picture. Like for, I'll give you an example. I wrote down, um, I have this, you know, little goal journal that it's 10 things. I write them out as if they've already happened and I write them out like daily. And one of them was I'm going, or I lead a yoga sculpt tour, you know, and I think I left it at that. I didn't even go that in, in detail. And then like a month later, I got contacted about teaching at Big Night Live, which is like a club venue. So cool. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, is it a, a cross country tour? No, but is it like showing up in a huge performance venue in a way I've never done before right. and like creating impact in that way? And I was like, how cool yeah. that like just by putting something out there, I'm seeing it kind of manifest in a different way. And the and pictures, that. by the way, are so <laughs> cool. Oh my God. I saw you post the ones I think yesterday and I was yes. like, I am so jealous. (laughs) Like they are this morning. I was like, I'm going to get a freaking group instructor certification so that I can have cool pictures (laughs) like Sarah. Literally so cool. That is awesome. What were, um, what's another one that you've seen manifest in that way? I mean, I've always written out like, um, my partner and I, we wanted to be homeowners and you know, I mean, you probably, everybody probably understands to some degree, like how stressful that can be with <laughs> saving. And, you know, yeah. especially during a pandemic that felt like the craziest, silliest idea ever to be writing that out. <laughs> right. And, but then we, we made it happen and Love we it. are homeowners and it did take like a lot of like putting all the pieces together, but I, left my full-time job, right? Literally two months before the pandemic started, (laughs) which is, yeah. Love it. (laughs) But then it opened up this like crazy window for virtual things for Mm -hmm. me to actually stay afloat during it and and also like thrive during it. And now I was able to buy a home and I'm like, I could have never predicted that. I didn't think that it was even in the realm of possibility, but by like, you know, getting out there, looking at houses, doing things like it was all these little things that were able to come together that seemed on paper to be impossible. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for one law of attraction um, Mm -hmm. and for manifesting. But I think what a lot of people get wrong about manifesting is they just say the words, Mm -hmm. I'm a homeowner and they don't look at houses. (laughs) They don't save money. They don't prioritize doing those things. And they're like, it's not working. And it's like, listen, friend, you have to do the steps. Like, yeah, the steps gotta be there. And I think people get that wrong and not that you have to know everything, right. You didn't know exactly what neighborhood you would want to be in, or maybe you didn't know exactly the square footage, but yeah, 
doing the things that you know how to do to get there Mm -hmm. works because the next step is always going to be revealed to you. And it's, um, I live in the Bible belt Mm -hmm. and it's an interesting thing that I see. So lots of, lots of Christians here, lots of like Southern Baptists, lots of very, very religious people. Um, and it's an interesting trend that I see with people who are quite religious in that they'll question every single one of their decisions as if the only faith they practice is when they go to church on Sundays. And I talk sometimes in other podcast interviews about how trusting in yourself and your intuition and doing, building the life that you want is such a leap of faith. And it's the exact same thing. Like these things are put on your heart for a reason, because you may not know how to get there yet. You may not have the money yet. You may not have the skills yet, but they're on your heart for a reason. And so it is astounding to me that people will sit on their dreams. I don't know if this is something that you've seen or if it's maybe because you're in the transformation space, you see the opposite yeah. where people have been sitting on their dreams for so long and they take one step forward and suddenly they're like, oh shit, now we're running. Now yeah. we're running towards this, but they have sat in that space for sometimes a lifetime. Yeah. And I think we see this a lot, like even in our um, business mentorship that we both did like that container, like you see that a lot, right? A lot of people coming to the table with, yeah, I've always like wanted to do this. I haven't quite, you know, how, but like even just signing up and like taking a step in that direction, Mm -hmm. like you never know where that'll land you. And that, I mean, that's how I started. I started off with zero products and zero, like just teaching my classes and showing up. And then um, now I think I have like six products out and different offerings and it's like, stuff that I just never could have seen happening, but because you were willing to bet on yourself even a little bit and take the risk and try something. And so what if it, we're so afraid to fail, right? That's the biggest thing. It's like failure is just like, I have to be perfectly ready to do these things. It's like, (laughs) that's a lie. It's never going to be the right time. It's never going to be anything. It's like, you have to be willing to put a little bit of skin in the game to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so I run into that a lot with people and they're like, well, what if I fail? And I say, okay, so what? So I do this process like called, so what with them? And they go, well, I'm, I'm going to fail. What if, um, what if I, oh, who was the one I was talking to the other day? They were like, well, what if I get into a relationship and I love them? Not even if it doesn't work out. What if I love them? And I say, okay, so what? And they say, well, then we're together and we're happy. And I say, okay then what? And they say, well, what if, what if we break up after that? And I was like, okay, then, okay. <laughs> then you break yeah. up after that. It's fine. Like, it's okay. Or people will say, what if I get into, um, what if I meet someone and they're great? What if I start a new job and I hate it? And I say, okay, so what? And they say, well, well then I'll hate my job. And I say, okay, <laughs> so what, then what are we going to do? And they're like, I'll just get another job. And I'm like, yeah, that's a great plan. Do that. I talk a lot about David, my um, partner who started a business. And when he was, uh, I say all the time, he's from like a normal family. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> his parents um, were very like safety minded. And so they were like, well, you know, their first thought was an anxious thought. What if it doesn't work out? What if it, so that was his rhetoric forever. And his parents are absolutely lovely people, but a lot of normal people think like that. Whereas I grew up with a dad who's like absolutely fearless. And he's like, well, fuck it. Let's try it. Let me yeah. see what I can get away with. Which is really how my dad operated. So watching someone go through, like, what if it doesn't work out? And I said, okay, well, what if you fail? He said, well, I'm going to have to get a job. And I'm like, so you'll be in the exact same spot that you're in now. Yeah. 
with a whole lot more experience and knowledge and guts. Yes. That literally, like, that was my, leaving my full-time job experience. Right. Talking to all of my bosses at the time, they were like, you're doing really well here, but it's also super clear that like, that is something you're super passionate about. You're really good at. And how supportive. I love that. It was so supportive. And they also were like, okay. And so if it doesn't work out, like you've been an amazing employee, like just apply again, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, you can get a job again. And it's like, oh yeah. So then what am I worried about? And like, why am I so like hesitant? It's like, yeah, everything, you just make it up. You just gotta do it. Yeah. And we don't, we don't ever want to like, there's obviously a difference between like feeding the fear and then just problem solving it. Like, so what? So he like bought the property that he has a business for. And I said, worst case scenario, you sell it yeah, or you keep it, whatever you can afford it. If you get a job, you can still afford it because it was cheap. Yeah, And I'm just like all the time. And you know, our brains, when you own a business, when you're doing anything new, when you're chasing the life that you want, when you're planning for something, your brain, your little gremlin brain is always going to come up with all this bullshit excuses. Well, what if everyone hates you? And what if there's a troll coming on Instagram? And what if your friends make fun of you? And what if your left toe is a little bit longer than your right toe? And then you can't do it. <laughs> and it's like, if people, and this is something I teach all the time, but if people would just look at it and be like, okay, so what if that happens? Yeah. Then they can be like, oh, well, I'll just do X, Y, Z. And it's like, great. <laughs> yeah. Go live your life. One of the things that I always like talk about a lot in class too, is that our, there's our thoughts and then there's the thinker of our thoughts, right? Mm. And so our thoughts are not dirty to me. I, yeah. It's like, thoughts are not reality, right? It's, it's this like, they can be track and you get to think about, like Mm -hmm. you get to choose which ones you want to give value to and which ones you're just going to say, thanks for being here. I'll set with you. Like, yeah. You're, it's not yeah. you. And so yeah. when you come back to reality of like, okay, like, why am I even saying that? Like, that's not even true. Right. Then it's like, cool. You're taking back your power in the situation. And I have to remind myself of that all the time because anxiety loves to take over our thoughts and do all right. these things. And it's, it's just a cool reminder sometimes to be like, oh yeah, cool. Like yeah. my thoughts don't actually matter that much if I don't want them to. Yeah. I say all the time, they're like backseat driver thoughts. I don't know if you've yes, seen that meme yes. with someone driving and like Jesus is in the back and he's like, yeah. I'm under that tree. And they're like, no, yep. no, Jesus. Yep. And I think about that all the time. And I tell people like, since I have, I'm 31 now, since I was 16 and I started driving every single time I drive over a bridge and I grew up in Florida, yeah. lots of bridges. Every single time I drive over a bridge, my brain, my little gremlin brain goes, not a joke since I have 16 years old and I was like nah I'm not gonna do that but I have gotten out of a submerged car in my head since I was 16 and every time I'm behind a semi my brain goes I wonder what would happen if we rammed into that semi as fast as possible and then like logically I'm just like well I would be decapitated obviously but I have things to do so I can't be decapitated yeah. So understanding that, like, cause a lot of people will get really caught up in that. And I tell people, like, if I believe those thoughts as gospel, if I thought there was something wrong with me, if I thought that I couldn't separate myself from them, I would never get behind the wheel of a car. And then my yeah. life would be so limited because, you know, transit in the U S sucks. Yeah. So, but if you just treat them and you're like, well, eh, all right, yeah, cool. Like I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. Like I could punch this person in the face or hit them with my car when I'm mad, but I'm not going to do that. I may cuss them out, you know, 
but I'm not going to hit them with my car. So you're right. Being the person behind your thoughts. So you can choose which ones to feed. And I can tell you, and you may see this, like the people who feed the fear never, they think they live a safe, protected life, but they live in prison. Like you create a prison and it's so miserable. And then they think that they're a failure because they don't have the life that they want, not realizing that like they've created this prison every single day with every single thought that they feed that is not even helping them. And they think it's helping them. And it's so sad. Yeah. And it ties into too, like meditation. And a lot of people think like, oh, I have thoughts. And so I can't meditate. And it's like, no, no, like we want you to have the right spot. Like, welcome to the party. It's about like, okay, maybe instead of having 500 thoughts at a time, we're, we're narrowing that down a little bit and and shifting your focus to something else, whether it be a mantra, whether it be your breath. So it, it all kind of ties in, but all is a reminder to you that like at the root of it, you're good. You're all set. Like you you're right where you need to be Mm -hmm. no matter the situation. If you're having those messed up thoughts, if you're having a lot of thoughts, like that's all okay. It's just remembering how we get to work past that and how that process helps us. I love that. And yoga ties so well into it too, because parts of yoga are like very uncomfortable. Totally. And you have to sit in poses that are uncomfortable. And then the the guidance is like, breathe through it. Everyone's like, what do you mean? But it's such a good practice to sit in discomfort and not run away from it or try and fix it. Like it'll go away on its own. And I don't know about you, but like for me, like I hate cardio. It's just, it's not my jam, Mm -hmm. but there's a certain point where like, it doesn't get any worse. Yeah. It becomes a little bit more consistent and that. Yeah. It sucks, but it doesn't suck worse. (laughs) Yeah. Like a half marathon. Like I feel like the first few miles you're like, okay, this is hard. And then you get to a point where you're kind of like, well, my legs are kind of just moving and nothing's like more painful. It's just maintenance. I've capped out. (laughs) Yeah. that's I've capped out of my pain. Then you think about though, like what you just said about um, being in a pose and like having to focus on your breath and stuff. Mm -hmm it teaches you to move through discomfort and handle Mm -hmm. discomfort when you're off your mat then, right? And like, that's the overall goal with yoga. And my mind is like, cool, I'm glad that it can be helpful while you're on your mat. But now like, okay, how do we take these lessons back into your day? Um, And it's the same with meditation, right? You're hopefully getting these glimpses at infinite possibility, creativity, all these things. And like these little glimpses of that out of your meditation with you. Like go embody that. That's how we really create change is like, we can think about change and it's one part of the practice and we can take an action in change. And that's another part of the practice. But until we like embody that change, until we do it automatically, like if people think about driving, I mean, most of us, if we've been driving long enough, don't even have to think about driving. Yes. Because we embody being a driver now. So if you embody being someone who can sit with discomfort, if you embody someone who is positive, who practices compassion, who practices gratitude, and that's just who you are now, we're so much more malleable than I think we give ourselves credit for. And yoga is such a great medium for that too, because one, if you have a good instructor, like they're coaching you in a safe environment where like, if you fall out of your pose, you just get right back in and that's okay. And so you can practice these things in like a low pressure environment, or if you're on a retreat, like ideally everyone there is supportive 
Like, I don't know why you would go on a retreat just to be a troll. (laughs) (laughs) That's not very helpful. But so you get to practice it in like a safe container to build these, you know, um, a little bit of like, not efficiency, mastery, maybe of the, a little bit of like skills with the skills. And then you get to go apply it at home. And if you screw up, it's like, okay, well, but you already have this little baby foundation that you're working from. Yeah. This is so lovely. Do you partner with other people on your retreats or how do you typically run them? Yeah. So I work with a couple different companies. Um, one being my friend Katie's company and then another company she introduced me to. And then actually the studio I teach at the spoke that Mooch also teaches at, they work with a third company that also helps us lead experiences. So it's, I like partnering with different people because you get different experiences, right? Some are going to be more focused on like fitness adventure. Some are more focused on like the actual, like yoga, meditation type of work. So it really just depends um, which one. And that's, that's the cool part is you get something different. No, no two retreats are exactly the same. It depends on the people. It depends on um, the place we go. That is so lovely. It was just so cool. (laughs) And when you partner, like you don't have to do the whole retreat by yourself, right? So you are like planning, promoting, but you're not like planning up every time, which I'm sure is such a relief. Totally. And there's like a lot of times the reason I like partnering is because then there's usually some type of other role that is more responsible for logistics in terms of like, okay, like the actual like sourcing of where we're going and like picking out the other, you know, instructors that are going to be a part of it. And then I get to focus more on like, what is like the agenda part? What am I going to lead in a workshop? Um, And then just connecting with my community about promoting it and um, getting, you know, the people there, which is fun. I just want to do what you do. (laughs) If you're interview people who I'm like, oh my God, they're goals. And I want them to tell me how they do it. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it's selfish for me. No, it's good. Oh, I love it. So you are located where? So I'm uh, located normally in the Boston area. And right now I'm in Florida for the holidays. So yeah. So here for a week, but yeah, normally Boston and then just wherever else I'm traveling in that year. That is so cool. Where are you going next year? Um, next year I have, um, Nicaragua, um, early January, uh, what else? Portugal in May, oh my God. South Africa in December. So yeah. Dude, your life is so cool. <laughs> your life is so cool. And there's people that like do it. I was talking to a client Saturday and they were like, I just want to get paid to travel. And I was like, there's a ton oh. of people get paid for that. And they you were do. like, what? I was like, yeah. bro, people do this like for a living. Yeah. And it's wild. And they yeah. really had no idea that like people get paid to travel for a living So I think the other beautiful thing about relationships to circle back around is Mm. that when you interact with people who give you a different perspective, who have different experiences and you have different knowledge than you, you expand your horizons because had no one ever told them like, Hey, literally people do that for a living, like travel influencers exist. Um, all of those things, they may have justified the belief that says, well, it's not possible for me. And it's like, well, what other people do it? It's all these little steps, right? Like along the way too. And it comes back to like, for example, 
before you can just go and like host a retreat and just expect people to show up, you have to have that community established. Right. right? right. And so it's like, okay, well, how do I do that? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe it is that you become a group fitness instructor. Maybe it is that you, you know, create some type of container that you're working within. And yeah. so I think like a lot of people will say that, right. Oh, like so cool to get to travel and do that. And then when they see like, oh, wow, like the work. this takes this takes some work to like put together. It's like, it's so rewarding. And it's also like, you, you know, you got to put the steps in and things. Yeah. Ooh, I love this. What else? What else you want to jam on? We got some time. What else? What else? I think like another cool component that ties into that is like, how do you make it so that you can be mobile and be able to travel and still have clients and still have like income coming in and and all of that. And that was something that like, I don't know about you, but the pandemic like really made a reality in terms of you yeah. can work from home. You can work yeah. from wherever you're traveling and, and make things happen. Yeah. Cool. The nice thing about mine is like, I work from home anyway. So oh, I cool. see clients on the farm. So like for me, awesome. literally nothing changed. <laughs> you're um, like, this is already the yeah, thing. I just already walked out my back door and, and I was like, sup, we're partying. Yeah. Um, which is what I call therapy sessions. I call yeah. them. I don't know if my clients agree, but I'm like, we're partying and you may be crying. Yeah. Uh, it's a good party. Um, so I was already at home full time. So for me, it's actually the transition to traveling while doing it, but mm. it's also just on me because I don't love doing video yeah. and because I have the farm. True. So while there's, you know, and this is how we say, like, when we're teaching someone, Hey, like what's possible for you within your ecosystem? Like, could I travel yeah. for three months out of the year? Yeah, probably but it's not really doable for me because I have 50 animals to take care of. Like yes. my parents are here, but that's not fair. And I'm not yeah. willing to do that. So like, how can we within our realm, within what's realistic for us now, not that it may change later, how yeah. can we do that now? Like if you don't have a remote job and you're not able to get a remote job, can you negotiate more time off? Yeah. Can you negotiate higher pay so that you have more money to travel? Can yeah. you negotiate working from home one day a week? I mean, even if you're a customer service focused job, like you can probably, if you're like a nurse, right? But nurses yeah. have admin days. Can you take an admin mm-hmm. day? If you're a teacher, like maybe that one's not good. But so people have levers that they can pull if we get into problem solving mode. And I think the beautiful thing about being connected with yourself and about having a practice where you watch your thoughts, you can start picking out ones that are juicy. So Mm -hmm. if you have a recurring thought, if you're not even thinking about your thoughts, you don't even know that it's recurring. So then we can say, okay, like, God, why does this one keep coming up? Like, why am I following all these people who travel? Like, why, why am I so jealous of all these people who get to do this? Or why do I really have this reaction to this type of thing? And then we can say, because you want to travel because you don't want to travel because you want to be married because you don't want to be married, like whatever. And we have so many levers that we can pull. And I think like creating that space and stillness that you're doing for people allows those things to even come up because people don't know what they want. If they have no connection, if they don't ever sit down and just fucking sit, like they don't just sit. And we're so conditioned to that, right? Like we're constantly like moving, going, doing next thing, next thing. And then you all of a sudden get asked to like pause for a second. You're like, Oh, Whoa. Like what's (laughs) this like? And what are these thoughts coming in? And why am I so tired? Or why am I crying? And like, all these things like 
your body has been trying to send you these signals and you just like, aren't paying attention. So it it does, it truly does. Like it creates that space for maybe thoughts you've like never had, like two thirds of our thoughts every day are the same thing. Right. And it's like, there's this one third that we kind of had this power to like shift. If we put ourselves in the right scenarios, if we break through our patterns of what we just do routinely and open up space for, oh, maybe a little bit more creativity or a little more Mm -hmm. of something new, something different. Yeah. Because our brains love us on autopilot. Like Mm -hmm. our brain wants nothing more than to be on autopilot 24 seven, because it takes less energy, which is why growth is so hard. And it's why your little gremlin brain is like, but what if we were afraid of everything? And so we did nothing. And it's like, take a seat, homie. Like what we are busy. We busy living the life that we want. Thank you very much. But it does take work and it does take courage. And I think it really does take a good coach. Like if you want something and you find someone who's done it and then you're like, Hey, boo, how'd you do it? Like your path is easier, which is super nice. And I don't even know if you know this, but I have a, like a instructor mentorship program. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So basically I take in instructors that they could be just got their certification and haven't even started teaching to like have been teaching for five years and just like want to find the next, next groove for them. And it's cool because the content's there, but it, I always say like, this is just like, you can stop in at each of these destinations for as long as you want and move on. It might not even be relevant for you right now. But your journey is different than mine. And if I was just teaching you to do every single thing I did, it wouldn't work for you because like you said, like your ecosystem is different, Mm -hmm. but what are these different components where we can make things like easier for you and help you get there faster and like give you the tools and connections you need. And that's like the most like rewarding program. I feel that I have like that Mm -hmm. and teacher trainings and, and the retreats where you get to actually work one-on-one with people in in their realm and learn more about what they need. Cause it's so different from like really digging in. I call it like (laughs) digging into someone's brain versus like what people get from an hour. Like just the time difference, spending days with someone is so different than like an hour, even if they come every week, like yeah, it's different. It's like a width versus, oh my Atlanta, I cannot talk about it. (laughs) Like a width versus a depth. I just, yeah. you know what? I need to take a nap. <laughs> That's what I need yeah, to do. Obviously. That midday time. <laughs> you do not have time, but your girl needs a nap apparently. Yes. Um, I just no, it is so important. Yeah. The depth component, because you might see, like you said, like you might see a familiar face, like they take your Tuesday class mm-hmm. every week, but I might not know the first thing about them. I might not right. know, like they even like grew up here. If they're right. it's like what, what their job, like nothing. And right. it's cool then to afterwards see those people come back to your class. And now you have like these talking points of like, oh, how's this going? And you like, see this person did it, like just getting those talking points. um, It, again, it brings it all back to that human element and making it more than just another number in your class and and actually putting that, that experience. I have a really off topic question, but it's something I want. As a yoga instructor, um, do you recognize people by like a certain body part? Um, sometimes I feel like in the pandemic, yes, because people had masks on. And yeah. so half the time I'm like, I can't even recognize someone's face, but then I'd look at something and it, like, I do this at big night live all the time. Cause yeah. I don't get a class list till like sometimes the day of, and I yeah. don't get to really look at it. So then I'll be in the crowd and I'll just look back and I'm like, that looks like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, is that you? And then like, I, I put that connection so together, funny. but yeah, I, I mean, it's, that. 
staring at people's like femur bones and the connection to their <laughs> knees and like all that, like you start to recognize like sometimes the way people's bodies like yeah. in, a, in a pose and a shape. So it's, it's so funny. funny. I was a synchronized <laughs> swimmer growing up oh, okay. forever. And I would recognize people by their legs and it always creeped people out. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a college professor who used to, she did like triathlons, like Ironman triathlons in like her fifties. Wow. And I was like, girl, you are a badass. Sweet. What is happening? And she would swim. She would like train at the pool that I would train at. And so <laughs> we were like in the lanes next to each other. And I was like, professor so-and-so. And she said, what? And I was like, <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry to be creepy, but I recognized your legs. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I'm a creep, but here we are. That's so And funny. I, I figured it was something like yoga and personal trainers. I'm sure do the same. Yeah. Thing. Form. I mean, Answers, you're I'm sure do it. Yeah. Studying the body. And that's like right. in personal training, like I have, I like almost never am looking at somebody's face. I'm always just looking at like, Mm -hmm. what's supposed to be happening where, like, how is the alignment here? Like you're using like a different set of visual for any type of like verbal cueing towards like the body. And and you've had to get so good at it, especially during the pandemic, because we couldn't use touch as much for adjustments and assists. And, and even then, like beforehand too, like not everybody wants that. So you have to be really clear about like, where, where should your body be in space and how can yeah. you make a cue click for someone? Um, cause everybody resonates differently with like the language you use too. Yeah. So it's kind of just like a giant puzzle piece, but with 30 people yes. at a time. <laughs> yes. That's it's so weird. When you get someone in one, like one-on-one and you like fix something for them and they're like, wow, I can't believe I've been doing that wrong. Like for so Whatever. long, or like this has felt <laughs> uncomfortable for so long. And it yeah. like, it really is the space for you to get to like help somebody make, make everything click a little bit more Mm -hmm. that sometimes you can't, it's just sometimes impossible to get when there's a 30, 50 person room, you got to teach to the midline of the room and just that, that pulls everybody towards that midline in some way. This is just, just (laughs) how do people find you? If they're like, holy cheese whiz, Sarah is dope. How do they find you? Yeah. So my Instagram accounts, the coastal Yogi is kind of like my main center for everything. And then the coastal method is where I post a little bit more about my programs and, you know, whether it's for actual like yoga students or instructors who are looking to dive deeper into mentorships, that's there. And then it's the coastal yogi.com is my kind of hub. Um, and the coastal method um, dot uscreen.io really confusing URL is where my monthly memberships are for any fitness cool. related classes. Oh, I love it. I just love it. So if people have, um, just totally blanked on everything we just said for like basically mm-hmm. the last hour, what do you want them to remember as they walk away or sit away? I don't know. Whatever people do when they're listening to buttons yes. as they turn it off. Yes. I think to bring it back to the human connection element, right. And giving yourself space to dive back into that piece of you, whether it be a yoga class, whether it be a retreat, whether it be a mentorship, like how can you get really clear on who you are, what you want and what your purpose is in this world? And can you get quiet and, and sit with yourself to find that out? I tell people often the cure for the pain is in the pain. So if people like can't sit still, I'm like, guess what you need to do more of? It's always what you don't want more of. Have a panic attack. Sorry. Love you. Love you about it. (laughs) Oh, I love this. Okay. Dude, thank you so much. Like this was beautiful. I'm so happy that we got to connect. Yes. Yes. We love you. 
Okay, podcast fam, go get quiet and connect with yourself. We love it. Yay.